yeah everyone, episode 147 is about to start, and you've got me. I am going solo on this wonderful episode, and I'm your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and welcome back to Cut the Shit, Get Fit. Um, today, we are going to get into a little bit more of some training stuff as I've had a lot of people reach out to me and ask, hey, you said this about deadlifting or you said about, you know, squatting and seeing this dysfunctional pattern and things like that. And everyone asks, you know, how did you interpret that information and how did you figure out what to do in those situations? So rather than constantly messaging people back, I thought I would actually do an episode on the functional movement screen because that's kind of the, you know, the basis of what I do and how I started in the industry when it comes to learning and understanding movement and movement patterns and what to do in certain situations with clients. And I recently actually did a staff meeting for my gym, Aura Fitness and Yoga, for all the coaches who've never been exposed to the functional movement screen or FMS. I'm just going to say FMS because it's a lot easier to say than functional movement screen over and over again. And they were impressed with how it's structured, how it was put together, and it made a lot of sense. And I'm the type of person where, you know, if I get come across something that is a system and it makes sense to me and I can apply it really easily into what I do, then I'm 100% for it. And the FMS was just that. And I'm like, bam, this is brilliant. So for all the coaches out there that are familiar with the FMS, this is probably going to be you know, a review for the coaches that kind of know about it. This will be great for you. And the fitness enthusiasts, I think this would be actually really beneficial because, you know, you go on Facebook and you see all these people training and you pick it up and you decide you start deadlifting and squatting and lifting heavy shit. But maybe, just maybe, your movement patterns are not adequate enough to actually be able to do those movements. And maybe this Uh, podcast episode will get you motivated to maybe implement some corrective strategies into your workouts so then your squat deadlift pull up whatever exercise it is will actually be more efficient and you'll be able to bust through any kind of plateaus Um, so before we get started because this is going to be a lot of information because I think the staff meeting I did was about two hours, so I'm going to try to summarize it and go through all my slides. And actually, if anybody wants my slides, feel free to reach out to me, and I'll send them to you. But um, as always, i got to do shout-outs for my show. And the first city, top city listening in the last seven days is Atlanta, Georgia. Shout-out to everyone in Atlanta. By the way, I really want to go to Atlanta because... Um, watching a Anthony Bourdain uh, show where he, I think it's called The Layover, he went to Atlanta and he was showing how many different restaurants and ethnicities are in that city alone. Like they have a supermarket that has every single like ethnic food you can think of. And, you know, being from Canada, I thought we were the melting pot of different cultures but damn atlanta you have a lot of great food selections for different cultures around the world so 
I need to head out that way and check it out. Uh, number two is Highland, California. Shout out to California. Number three, I believe this is the first time they've popped up on my uh, radar, is Brooklyn, New York. Shout out to everyone in Brooklyn. And I also want to do another mention um, that didn't make the top three but into top tens. Number eight is Copenhagen, Denmark. Shout out to everyone across the way in Copenhagen. I would love to go visit. If anyone out there internationally wants me to speak at their event, let me know. Send me over. I'll be there in a heartbeat. Um, so let's get this thing started. I'm going to do my best to like keep this short. And, you know, the best way to describe the FMS, if no one's been familiar, is talking about Grey Cook. If you don't know who he is, I highly suggest you look him up because he's kind of the godfather of movement. That's how I look at him. So he's a physical therapist. He's an author. He's a speaker. He's a strength coach. And he, you know, is the creator of the functional movement screen. So, you know, back in 1998, I believe Gray Cook came up with, you know, standardizing movement. He wanted to create a screen to better prepare people for um, activity and exercise. And I believe back in 2001, he wrote a book called Athletic Body and Balance. And that was kind of his, you know, stepping stone into um, the strength and conditioning field from a physical therapist to put a standard on movement. And if you actually look back into that book or buy it or even go on YouTube and search it up, there is a self-assessment in um, the book to better prepare you for exercise. And I was like, man, that's brilliant. I love that whole idea. And then in 2003, he came out with a book called Movement. I highly, highly recommend you buy it because he goes into depth of what proper movement mechanics are, um, how the FMS works. He touches on the SFMA. And he, honestly, this is like my, like a mind-blowing book. Because I remember when I got it the first time, I was like, holy shit, I've been training people wrong. And this makes sense to me. I need to start, you know, screening people. And that's when I... Um, decided to get my level one FMS way, way back when I first started. Um, I believe in movement. How I approach training is all movement-based. You know, I like quotes by people that are very, very intelligent, and I always think back to a quote that a Greek physician by the name of Hippocrates used to say, motion is life. So think about how long ago this guy was alive. Like people, if you don't know who he is, he was kind of the first ever physician, doctor, grandfather of modern medicine today. And he stated that in order for our lives to work, in order for our bodies to live at its highest potential, we need motion. So if you think about our world today, how we sit at desks 
for 10 to 12 hours. We sit in a car to get to and from work. We sit at our dinner tables to eat. And then we sit down on our couch to watch Netflix. Like, we're probably sitting, like, 90% of our life. And our bodies are meant to move. And the moment you prevent movement, you lose the ability to move like you once did. And this is why when I got a new client and I put him through the FMS, I'm like, holy fuck, like, how did you even get here and walk up the stairs to be able to do these movement patterns? Like, it's scary to me that... You know, yes, technology is great that makes things easy, but you don't even have to leave your house anymore. Like, you can literally work from home. Amazon can deliver whatever you want to your door, and you can get groceries sent to your house. You never have to leave. So this whole idea of, like, getting into a car and going to the gym and getting sweaty and moving is like, oh, I don't really want to do that. But it's like killing us like movement gives us life and when Hippocrates said this I was like damn like this guy from the very beginning already knew that movement was essential for human life so that was kind of a rant but I'm sorry um so back to Gray Cook he wanted to create a standard screen for movement where you know everybody in the entire world would know what the standard was and a really good example of this is like what do we use around the entire world that um tests hypertension it's a blood pressure cuff right it's a standard uh test that everybody um knows knows how to use it and knows how to interpret it so why can't we do the same thing for human movement patterns Right? Let's standardize movement so then when I train somebody and I write down my notes of what they did in the FMS, that the next trainer I hire under me trains that same person and I can give her or him my notes, they'll know exactly what to do. So when Gray decided to create this, his basis was each developmental stage that a child will go through. So when you think about a child developing, what are they doing? So the first kind of thing they learn how to do is neck control. And then they begin to learn how to roll over. Then they learn how to crawl. And then they kneel. And then they squat. And then they stand. And then they climb. And then they eventually start running. So... There's an order of development here, and that's what Gray wanted to um, standardize. So as we age, we actually um, lose the ability to do what a child does, right? So if you think about a kid, you know, brand new baby, they're all laying down on their back. They're in a supine position, and then they can either be put on their front and on their back, and eventually they learn how to roll. They start rolling over. They start reaching with their arms and legs to roll over. And then they start being really efficient in a quadruped position like a bird dog. And think about how many exercises are implemented from that position. And then they start learning how to crawl with opposite hand and leg. And then they get into a sitting position. And then they start kneeling. And then what happens? They learn how to put one leg in front and then they learn how to squat. They learn how to stand up. And then they start learning how to walk. Like, 
all of these things happen in a sequence, and Gray wanted to be able to put a standard on those movements. And I think that was just brilliant. Like, let's figure out what a child can do, and can an adult human being do the same thing, right? So the big thing that I want the coaches and just people in general to understand is that the FMS screen will capture pain. You're not going to figure out if, you know, because they had pain in their squat and they did this weird thing with their right hip, now you're going to start diagnosing. This is not a musculoskeletal like evaluation. It's just a screen. It's like, let's see what you do. And if you have pain during that time, let me refer you to a physical therapist or a chiropractor to figure out what the fuck's going on. That's it. Like, when I first started training, I thought, you know, everyone just moves, like, just do their thing. I'm going to give you a program. And then when I was introduced to FMS, I was like, fuck, what, was I, what have I been doing? I can now see how people move, and this will become the blueprint of my programming for this individual. Now it becomes so um, like an individual approach to what I want to do with this person. And I kind of look at the FMS as like a risk management tool, right? So if I can put a standard on everything and someone comes in and they score really, really low on FMS, I can be like, okay, this individual has a higher risk of injury. Now I can determine what exercises I can give to them for a beginner, an intermediate, an advanced, whatever it may be. And I think a lot of times when trainers fall into the FMS world, they're like, oh, now I'm a physiotherapist. I can correct movement. I can correct patterns. I can do this. I can do that. It's like, no. It just gives you a, like, a picture. It gives you a picture of what's happening. You can't figure out what's happening behind the picture. But if you gave that picture to a physio or chiro, they'll know exactly what to do. And I think this is where a lot of trainers fall victim to is that, you know, they take a course like the FMS and they're like, oh, perfect. Now I can do stuff that a physio does. But what you'll be able to do with the FMS is identify pain, identify movement, find dysfunctional patterns and any kind of asymmetries, you know? And I find that those things are what you need to know when it comes to programming for an individual. So when you find a dysfunctional or asymmetry pattern in an individual, you know, they'll have a higher chance of injury. Maybe it's not gonna happen like today or tomorrow, but they have a higher risk compared to someone who is just good to go, you know. And um, Greg Cook has this saying that if you build strength over dysfunction, shit is going to happen. He doesn't say shit's going to happen, but that's my saying. You know, like if someone squats and they look like a melted candle going down and then you decide to put a barbell on their back and you just hope for the best the idea of like throwing grenades that things will just self-correct and you're going to hit a pattern that's going to make it better is a horrible idea. You know, you're building strength over a dysfunctional pattern is like building a house on top of sand. 
the shit is going to fall apart. And worst case scenario, you're going to injure your client and, you know, you're going to lose out on money. You, if this is, you're, if you're like doing this for yourself, you're going to end up injured and you're not going to be going to the gym to see the strength gains or the fat loss that you want to see. So when I look at like a hierarchy of fitness, movement should be number one, like first thing that you attack before, oh, I want to get stronger, I want to develop power, I want to get more flexible, I want to do this and this and that. Let's make sure you cover the basis and like focus on the fundamentals. Like, fuck, like, can you squat properly? If you can't squat properly, why are you trying to load it to get stronger? And doing like quarter squats with the barbell. And then you get frustrated that you can't hit 200 pounds, for example. Like, why not improve on the basics? Like, I look at training and the FMS um, as like a karate class. Like, you go in, you're not going to start at black belt shit. They're going to take you to the white belt stuff, learn the basics, so then you can build upon them and do the cool stuff. So when I get a new client and they're like, I want to learn how to back squat and deadlift and do my first powerlifting session um, competition, I'm like, fucking awesome, let's do it. I screen them and I'm like, you have no business reaching down to a barbell and deadlifting off the floor. We need to focus on the fundamentals and figure out what's going on with your shit before you can do that. But a lot of people just jump into it because they feel like that's what they have to do. So this is where um, the FMS does a really good job. So there's a couple different certifications, right? So there's an FMS level one, FMS level two, and an SFMA level one. How these work together. The FMS level one teaches you the screen, the ins and outs of the screen, how to screen, what to look out for, how to set it up, and all that fun stuff. So say you get your level one and you screen someone and you're like, okay, this person scored a 15 out of 21. We'll get into the scoring system later. Don't worry. What do I do next? The FMS level two are the corrective strategies, right? You don't have to take the level two, but it's a good way to understand what to do. So say someone has a horrible active straight leg raise and they want to deadlift off the floor to do that powerlifting competition, the FMS level two is gonna teach you what to do to get that active straight leg from a one on each side to maybe a two on each side so then they can reach down and deadlift. But how about what happens is if you do the screen and there's pain in the active straight leg raise, what do you do then? This is why if you team up with a physical therapist or a chiropractor that's has the experience with the SFMA, which is a certification for just therapists, and you tell them, hey, this person got a 15 out of 21 on the FMS, and I found pain on the right side of their active straight leg raise. The SFMA is a breakout of each pattern, and a physical therapist can find out and figure out what the hell's going on, take that information back to you, and tell you what to do. And this is why I like this whole like team effort behind um, the FMS. Now, I'm going to try to get through this as fast as possible. The FMS itself is broken up into seven tests, and there's two parts to it. I look at it as like a primitive uh, movement patterns and also higher level movement patterns that require a lot of um, 
movement. So the primitive movement patterns are basically basic stability and mobility movement patterns of reaching and also supine alternating leg raising, which is that active straight leg raise. And then it goes into transitional movement patterns that you know require a higher degree of stability coordination and that kind of go falls into like the trunk stability push-up pattern and the quadruped rotational stability pattern which we'll get into uh, and then the higher um, level movement patterns like i mentioned before are the squatting the lunging and the stepping which is also part of the fms now you're probably asking like, okay, that's a lot of information. What are the patterns? So there's seven things like I mentioned before. So you have your squat, your hurdle step, your inline lunge, your shoulder mobility, your active straight leg raise, trunk stability push-up, and rotary stability. All right, so the squat, hurdle step, and inline lunge all demonstrate core stability and a core stability in three essential foot positions that us humans experience on a daily basis. And in the FMS world, they call them the big three. The other four tests refine information and interact upon each other to help you identify any kind of weak links in the movement patterns overall, right? Um, and with the scoring system, um, it's based on 21. And essentially, um, if you have a 14 out of 21 um, or less, you have a higher risk of injury. And how the scoring system works is that, say we go through the seven patterns, the best score you can get is a three, two is kind of middle of the road, one is like, oh shit, there's some stuff going on, and a zero is if there's pain or they couldn't complete the movement. And this is the one thing I challenge on the FMS is that the scoring system is kind of tough because... Say I give someone a three on a squat, but then the coach beside me is like, no, actually it's a two because they did this thing during their squat. And now there's a bunch of little debate. But that's why the FMS always says, when in doubt, score low. But a lot of people are like, no, I know better than you. It's a two, not a three. So when I look at the FMS, I look at, can they do the movement? And how bad is the movement? It's almost like a pass or fail. I'd rather do pass or fails than doing a whole scoring system. And that's how I've interpreted over the years. And I'll just like, say I do someone's overhead squat, I will write down notes of what happened and either say yes or no. That's, that's all. Now, I'm not gonna jump into every single um, movement that they test in the FMS because that's gonna take way too long. And I think the best way to end this is, you know, when we put people through those seven patterns, that will give you a better idea of what you need to work on. So an example is, say that hurdle step, for example. The person can barely get over the little freaking string, they knock the shit over, and you're like, okay, fuck, you have a lot of stuff we need to work on. So when I look at that, is I would probably recommend that person not running because that pattern is the running pattern. And if they can barely get their foot past where their knee is, how the hell are they supposed to have a perfect you know, gait cycle while running? Shit will fall apart. When I see people test on that poorly and they're a runner, I always ask them, like, do you ever get pain when you run? They're like, oh yeah, my low back hurts, my hips hurt, 
sometimes my knees hurt and then my ankles and I get shin splints. And I'm like, well, fuck, no wonder. And then I look at it as like, okay, this person needs a lot of hip stability work and probably hip mobility work. And that's how I program is based on what these seven tests show me, I can now go, okay, the hurdle step sucked. I'm going to work hip mobility, hip stability. Their squat looks like a melted candle. I'm going to work on their squat mechanics and patterning and eventually build them up to a weighted squat. Um, their trunk stability push-up was like they couldn't get off the ground. So I'm not going to force them to do push-ups off the ground. And I'm going to work on an elevated push-up and also work on core stability because they weren't able to stabilize their entire body to get off the floor. This is why I believe that you know, if you can standardize movement patterns and have that basis knowledge behind you, you'll progress a lot quicker than going into the gym not knowing about this stuff and you're like, why can't I do my first pull-up? Why do my shoulders hurt when I do pull-ups? All of this is covered in the FMS. And when you understand the system and understand the corrective strategies, you're going to win. And this is what I've been doing for the last like eight years with clients. And this is how I've been getting them out of pain. You know, like it just makes sense to me. And I don't understand why some trainers out there don't even know what this is. I'm not like trying to sell you on the FMS. It just, it's a system that I, that I understand and it's proven to work. And I encourage all of you to like explore it or if you have more questions, like reach out to me. And you know, like ever since I started saying like at the end of my episodes, like add me on Facebook, add me on Instagram, you guys have been doing it and I reach out to you the moment you add me to be like, hey, what's up? Did you hear me on my podcast? And they all say yes. And I ask you like, do you need any help with anything? And people start messaging me back. So if you have more questions about this, like honestly, Add me on Facebook, email me, do what you got to do. I'm happy to answer your questions. I'm here to help you. Hopefully this kind of gave you a inside look to my world of what I do and how I coach people. And if you are a coach and are not FMS certified, I highly recommend you check out their website and do your thing. And I'm going to thank everyone for listening to me. We're almost at the two-year mark of this podcast. Ooh, that's, I almost forgot. I will be selling official Cut the Shit, Get Fit t-shirts. I only will sell these once a year for one week, and that's it. Um, So the anniversary date in August, that's when I'm going to release a link, and I'll probably put in the show notes on the day that it's released. And I highly recommend you buy one and rep Cut the Shit, Get Fit everywhere you go. Share this podcast, please, and thank you on every social media platform so we can grow this thing as big as possible. That's it for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. Until next time, you guys.